right here in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. And uh, we've had a good time going through 1 John. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and take this uh, Sunday school time and get into this and see what God would have for us, all right? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you at this time, uh, dear God, I pray for forgiveness of sin. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, that we've just, if, we, if any of us have done anything, dear Lord, to uh, grieve the Holy Spirit, we ask for forgiveness. Uh, Father, we would pray now that you would just have mercy on us. Bless this time of Bible study we have right now. Open our understanding that we might understand the scriptures. And Heavenly Father, give us understanding with it. And Lord, may the word, Lord, as it may just not be revealed to us, but may it be revealed in us. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right. Born to love and believe. All right. We'll get into that. And... Talk about that some. Uh, I don't know about you, but I hate the devil, don't you? Amen. I mean, the devil, he, he, he's, he's something else. He wants to work against everything that God wants you to do, all right? And First John talks about your commitment to God. It talks about your heart, your mind, your soul. Talks about all that, and the devil's going to do everything he can to make sure that that doesn't happen in our lives. That's why we've got to stay focused on some things and rejoice uh, in the Word of God. All right, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So, uh, <clears throat> that word believeth, whosoever believeth. And that word believeth right there speaks to the fact that we're going to believe to be true and trustworthy that Jesus is the Christ, watch this now, is born of God. So there's something about this that we've got to look at. And that's this, is the fact that, as it puts it right there, if you believe that Jesus Christ and who he is, says, is born of God. Now that statement Born is born of God. For you Greek scholars sitting here, when you look at that word, you'll find that those three words go together. Is born of. Okay? And so what we have here, when we look at this, is born of, is making the statement, that what we have is born of. In other words, only the person that is born of God 
is going to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Okay? And so what we have here now is a good statement dealing with this reality. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, what you have in that statement is born of God is what we refer to as this plus quam perfect. It means it's a factual statement of being, okay? It's a factual statement of being. And so here we have it then. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So what we find then is this, is that the believing that Jesus is the Christ is confirmation that you have been born of God. Because if you had not been born of God, you wouldn't see that. You wouldn't recognize that. There's something about 1 John uh, that's always been amazing to me. But I want you to see this now. So what we find then, before I move on, I want you to get it. It's very important. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, that says, is born of God. And so what you have there then, as I've already stated, whoso believeth that Jesus is the Christ is confirmation that you have been born of God. Amen. All right? Very important. <clears throat> now listen. When it comes to the things of God, We've got to realize something. A lot of people have just a, a their, I, I told the folks yesterday morning during prayer devotion, a lot of people are convinced about the things of the Word of God, but they're not converted. In other words, it's in their head, but it's not in their heart. And so what we find then is that we wonder, what's the difference here? Why is it, you know, we got all these people around us saying they're Christians. Everybody says they're Christians. <laughs> you name it. Even the occults will say they're Christians. Right? right? But um, that means what you have when you look at the word of God, you have a lot of people, boy, they're Christian in principle. They've just got the principle of it. They're convinced of it. Look at, uh, you know, we talk about Matthew 7. Uh, Look at those people. They would say they're Christians, wouldn't they? Uh, they they? If you told them they were lost, they'd argue with you about it. 
Well, they're going to argue with God about it too. But at any rate, uh, but you see, what we find then is this. There's a lot of people walking around that have a, they're, they're convinced about Christianity. They've accepted the truth of it. But listen, there's a huge difference between being convinced and being converted. And so why is it that we have multitudes of religious people and like Matthew 7, 21, so on like that, why is it that you have multitudes of religious people, even very active religious people, that are lost, never been converted? That's tragic, isn't it? You see, conversion, true conversion changes your commitment. True conversion changes your belief system. Without true conversion, you'll say you believe it, but it's only in principle. True conversion causes you to commit to the person and not the principle. What we have today is multitudes of so-called Christians that are committed to the principles of the Word of God, but they're not committed to the person of the Word of God. Jesus Christ is not their king. Jesus Christ is the topic, but he's not their master. He's not their Lord, like the Bible says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Amen. And so, when we look at this, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. In other words, that is telling you that those people are born of God. And that is a factual statement of being. Then it says, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Have you noticed, have you noticed that when Christ talks about the Father, boy, the two of them are always together. I and my Father are one. If you, if you love the Father, you'd love me. If you don't love me, you don't love the Father. And so there's something happening here. And that's this, everyone that loveth him that begat, in other words, everybody that loves the Father, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So if you love God the Father, you'll love God the Son. Right. You can't separate the two. And so we see here then that uh, this love that we have for one is going to wind up being loving God and God's son. You can't love one without the other. And so you cannot appreciate one without the other. Just think 
when we think about God and his plan of grace. The only thing you and I can do is praise God the Father for the plan of grace for you and me. Then the only thing you and I can do is praise God the Son for being the instrument that the Father used to bring amazing grace to you and me. So there's no way in the world you can love one without loving the other. Verse 2. 1 John 5, verse 2. By this, well, look at what it says. By this, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Wow. Now, this statement right here, what you have in First John, as well as in the Word of God at times, and, and you don't look up one word. You've got to look up the phrase, okay? And that, that's, that gets really interesting. So here in verse 2, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God. Now, I've highlighted that statement, we love God, for you. We love God. Now that statement is there and is based on sincere appreciation and high regard. When you look up that word love right there and what it means, that's what it means. It means we love God and that love for God is based on sincere appreciation and high regard of God. Do you this morning, do we this morning, do you and I love God based on a sincere appreciation of God? Think about it. Do you love God this morning out of a sincere appreciation for what he's done for you? My goodness, what a thought, huh? Amen. Like I said the other week, some people have talked about trying to maintain the theology of the Puritans. Well, they might be able to maintain the theology of the Puritans, but they're going to struggle when it comes to trying to have the devotional life of the Puritans. Totally different. Based on sincere appreciation. The only way we can appreciate God is we've got to know God. Amen. There's one thing that's happen tragically and 99% of 
of the churches of America for sure. The people of God, just like the preachers of God today, they, they read books about God, but they're not committed to reading the book of God. Right. I don't need to know about God. I need to know God. And the more we know God, then we're going to find a controlling factor in our lives. Amen. The more we know about his character, his honesty, his truth, the more we know about that the more you and I, on one hand, will fear the wrath of God on one side and then love God because of it on the other. Amen. That's why it's so important for us to know God. Amen. The reason we flounder like fish out of water is because we don't know God. Right. We love God and keep his commands. Look, by this we know that we love the children of God. Right. Amen. I want you to real, know something that's very important to us. And it's this. We've got to make a difference between the church of God and the family of God. Now, the Protestants and the Catholics make no difference. They just say the family of the, the church consists of all the saved. Well, that's a lie. The church and the family are two different things. The family of God consists of all the saved on the earth. Because it doesn't make a lick of difference where you go. You get around other Christians and man, your brother and sister in the Lord. But God's church is something different. That's a different entity, isn't it? That's right. And so we find then that when we look at this, we can say, by this we know that we love the children of God. Amen. Man, that's part of the family there, isn't it? That's everywhere. I mean, we can pray for the people in China, Africa, wherever. We can pray for our brothers and sisters in the Lord those that's being persecuted for Christ, everything. Why? Because that's part of the family, isn't it? That's very, very important. So when you love God, you're going to love the children of God. When you love God, the Father, God the Father is going to put a love in you for, his, for the rest of his family. 
God will put a love in you for the family. And that's why we've got to understand things. That's like church. Brother Floyd has said quite often that uh, this church is not for the sinner. The purpose of the church, the purpose of the church, what is it? Man, it's the pillar and ground of truth. It's where the saved people can come and have fellowship with one another. To be taught the word of God, the doctrines of God. Be taught about God in person and Christ in person and the work of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. This place is. That's the purpose of it. And so we find then that the presence of the love of God The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And so what we find then is this love of God for one another. By this we know that we love the children of God. Since you've been saved, has the Spirit of God give you the freedom to love the family of God. Man, that's important. And know this. And this is a certified fact. You cannot love somebody that you criticize all the time. You can't do it. I've over the years I've counseled with married couples and man she was always talking about him like a dog and he was always talking about her like a cat and uh, then then they want to know why they couldn't get along well first of all you you can't love somebody that you criticize 24-7 that ain't gonna work forget it you see love has got to win out. And the love of God, when it's shed abroad in your heart, will win out. You know that? That's that's, that's powerful stuff. Verse 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God. There it is again. That we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Now you like that. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Right out there, that word grievous, right out there beside that word Put burdensome, B-U-R-D-E-N-S-O-M-E, burdensome. It's a burden to you. Now, let me be talking to you about that a little bit this morning. There's lots of ways in the Word of God where we can evaluate 
our love for God, and this is one of them, is, is your Bible reading a burden to you? Is your prayer time a burden to you? If it is, that's a sign that your love for God is questionable. Because right. if you really love God, the word of God would not be a burden to you. Right. Matter of fact, they'd be a hungering and a thirsting in you to sit down and read the word of God. As a matter of fact, if you didn't get a chance to read the Word of God, you'd feel like you done missed two or three heartbeats and your breath's gone. You see, what you find is this. If the things of God are burdensome to you, you need to stop and ask God, God, show me, me. Amen. Because if you really love God, those simple things, like reading the word of God in prayer, would come easy to you. But here it says, and his commandments are not grievous. Have you ever thought about taking the time to sit down and, and just start writing out the personal commandments of the Word of God? If you do, it'll change your life. Amen. Because you'll find out just exactly where you really are right. spiritually. Did the Lord make a suggestion for you and me to love one another? If you shook your head, yes, you're wrong. He didn't make a suggestion. Read, the, read your Bible. He commanded us to love one another. Do, do, do you know what that means? A lot of people read that, well, the Lord wants me to. Well, the Lord, well, I should be loving people. God, that's what the Lord wants, wants us to do. No, he commanded us to do that. Amen. You see. He commanded us to do that. And now listen. God is not going to command us to do something that he does not enable us to do. Right, right. I pastor a church. And there's all kinds, small church at that. But even in this small church, there's all kinds of personalities, isn't there? Right. And so if some of you were my kids, I'd pick you up and beat your butt. But I got to love you Amen. and pray for you. Amen. You see, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. 
And do you know what that command does for me? It allows, I might be just, I might be so kind of picking mad at you, I just smoke one right both ears. But because it's a command from God, it allows me to sit down in peace and pray for you. Amen. It allows me to do spiritually what my flesh would not allow without the presence of God. And you want to know why these things happen to you? How is it that happens like that? Well, that's because God commanded us to do those things. And then he enables us to do it. You see, in other words, when he commanded us to love one another, he put something in us that overrules our flesh. Amen. That's what it does. And when he does that, then our prayer life is not a burden to us. We have the freedom to pray for people. Now listen to me. The Lord said, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now we can read those words as Americans sitting here. But there's a lot of people in the world this very morning. That's the atmosphere they live in. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. You almost want to say, really? Right. Really? Are you serious? I'll pray for them. Lord, may their soul make all of heaven happy. <laughs> you know? When I just think about it. All over the world this morning, there's people that's being greatly abused, imprisoned, whatever, you name it. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. The only way we can honestly do that and it not be a burden to us is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's it. Amen. That gives us the freedom to do what in the flesh we would not have done. Amen. So if his commandments are grievous to you, you better read the verse because it's telling you that your love for God isn't what it should be. The more you love God, the more the commandments of God will come easy for you. Amen. Verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. 
And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now that statement, like I said to you all ago, we have these, not just the words, but it's a statement, right? It's a few words, it's a phrase or whatever. The statement right here, born of God, when you look that one up, it means to cause to be born, okay? That's what it means when it's, look, look up the endings and everything, to cause to be born. So for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. That's what I was just talking to you about, huh? We overcome ourselves. We overcome the world. We understand that all that glitters isn't gold. We find ourselves being willing to lay up treasures in heaven and not on earth. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. There's victory there. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So we find then, how do we overcome the world? Oh, well, one you must be born again. You must be born again. And then your faith is the victory. Amen. Listen. Faith, what faith is. A lot of times we, we don't, let me try to explain something to you about faith. When we pray for understanding, We've got to realize that faith opens our understanding. Faith allows us to see truth. That's what changes us. When we see truth, that changes us, doesn't it? And so faith, when we have faith, now, all of a sudden, we start seeing things as God sees them. Amen. We see it in truth. We start realizing things that we didn't realize before. That's why some of us that got saved a little bit later on in life, we look back and think, who was that idiot? Right. Oh, I'm looking in the mirror. You see, you see, faith has a power to it because faith just doesn't reveal Christ to us. Faith just does not reveal the principles of God to us. Faith does not just simply reveal the words of God in his book to us. Faith reveals the things of God in us. Amen. And that's what makes the difference. When the word of God is revealed in us, that changes us tremendously. And so we see here, go to verse 5 now. Who is he that overcometh the world? Ah, here we go now. 
we're fixing to talk about what I just talked about. Does that make any sense to you? Okay. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Wow. Now watch this. So who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth? You see that? That's your faith, isn't it? What do you believe in that Jesus is the Son of God? There's something about believing that that allows us to overcome the world. Why? Because Jesus Christ sets our value system for us. Now all of a sudden, rather than loving the world, we love Jesus Christ. How are we supposed to love the Lord Jesus Christ? With all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. Isn't that right? right. Uh, wow. Where, where, where's our love at now? There's no room left for anything else, is there? No, when you love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, there's nothing left. I mean, if I took this water cup and I filled this water cup up, with concrete and kind of rounded it off at the top, what else are you going to put in it? Nothing. You put a drop of water on it, you're going to run off. Why? Because it's totally full. And so it is. When you love the Lord with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul, guess what? You can't love the world. I think, I think in Matthew somewhere it says that, doesn't it? You can't <laughs> love God and mammon at the same time, right? You can't love the world and God at the same time. Do you hear that? Man. You cannot love the world and God at the same time. It's either one or the other, but not both. The reason so many Christians fail, the reason so many supposed professing Christians fail is because they want to love the world and Christ at the same time. And the word of God is clear. We cannot do that. Either you love the world, the flesh, and the devil, or you love God the Father and God the Son with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul. You see, you can't do both. You've got, to, you've got to make a choice. Right. And as God saves you, God makes that choice for you. Truly saved, blood-washed, born-again people as the old Irishman said, they don't backslide. 
because as far as they're concerned, there's nothing to backslide to. What a thought, huh? Who is he that overcometh the world? Yeah, tell me. I want to, I want to find one of them. But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the person that overcomes the world. That word believeth means that it's set in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. You are convinced of it. In every aspect of your being, you're convinced of it. That Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. And he died upon the cross to take all of your sin away. Amen. And there with that focused love, The world begins to fall away. And the cruel cross of Christ and the blood of Christ and Christ himself begin to shine brighter than the sun that's coming through the windows this morning. And your love becomes totally undivided. You love the Lord. With all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. And to pray and to read the word of God becomes easy for you. Because now it's something that you want to do. Not out of commandment. It's something you want to do. And when you want to do it, it's easy, isn't it? Time's gone. Let's all stand, if you would, please, as we go to the Lord.